What's up, guys? Episode 34, week nine of the NFL season. We're halfway already. Hard to believe it. Month of November. Uh, a lot of things going on in the world. We'll keep it distracted here with the Tutty Talk podcast and another week of fantasy insight. We've got the good and the bad, some injuries, uh, of course, some rapid fire. But about halfway through the show, we're going to break down into where guys are at this season and positional rankings and go over rest of season. So if you're looking to make that big trade to push you over the top, also looking at the playoff push, those final four games that mean the most. As always, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, at Tutty Talk. Give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Let's roll. This is Darren Waller, and you're listening to the Tutty Talk Podcast. Streaming from beautiful Portland, Oregon, for all things fantasy football. This is the Tutty Talk Podcast. Barkley with a burst. Barkley down the sideline. Saquon Barkley. Jackson, Jackson himself. Look at him turn back and forth. Oh! I'm really not into dreams anymore, okay? I'm into nightmares. A lot of people ain't going to be able to take that over and 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 over again. You like that? You like that? Here are your hosts, Bryce Wells. I'm going to I'm gonna say it. I'm going to put you on blast. Kevin Nelson. It's a damn shame because Pete Carroll is wasting Russell Wilson, and there's nothing we can do about it. And Chase Daskalos. No! Lamar Jackson is going to be a top-five quarterback. Week 9 of the NFL season, episode 34 for the Tutty Talk podcast. Kevin, Bryce, Chase, it's already November. Hard to believe that. Happy to have you with us on what will be. A Thursday morning, or whenever you may be listening to this episode, we start with Bryce, as always, in Portland, Oregon. How you doing, dude? I'm good. Uh, remember when I was saying that this week was going to be, or not this week, but last week was going to be so much better in fantasy, Oof. and boy, was I wrong. This last week was disgusting. Gross. Not a lot of points scored around the league. Um, and now we're looking at week nine, and once again, I'm going to say it, this will be better. This will be a better week. We hope. We can only hope. Chase, what's up? Yo, yo. Four weeks, five weeks from fantasy football playoffs, baby. It's time to it's time to uh to make that push if you're kinda on the cusp. So super excited about that. Yeah, I kind of mentioned it in the intro. Like when we get into these rankings, I'm sure we're gonna find something, some guy that's gonna peak or perk your interest and go, Ooh, I gotta make a trade for that guy. Like he may not be performing well yet, maybe he was hurt, maybe whatever. But that rest of season outlook is really all that matters now. Not what you've already done, but what you're about to do. I think I got the guy too. I think I got the guy. Ooh, so so <laughs> wait for that later in the show. That's a that's a nice tease. That's a good tease, Chase. All right, let's get into the good and the bad. Just one player for for each of these this week, as we've got a pack show ahead of us today. The good, and it was good for last week, but it's not good anymore. It's Matt Stafford, 24 42, 336 yards, three touchdowns, a pick, a carry for 10, and he fumbled. This was all without Kenny Galladay, too. You know, he went out with the hip injury early in the game, blew up a ton of rosters and games in that way. I don't know many teams that won without Kenny Galladay posting his... Oh, wait, I won with Kenny Galladay posting a zero last week in a home league, which was awesome. But uh, Matt Stafford, a really great game for him with Marvin Jones stepping up in a big way. Breaking news today, we learned that Matt Stafford being put placed on the COVID-19 uh, list, not because he has COVID, but 
due to tracing back and, and he was in close proximity to somebody that had COVID-19. So he maybe is going to be out this weekend uh, for his matchup. Guys, Matt Stafford, pretty good week though last week. Yeah, and I think, you know, if he's playing this week, uh, you're going to be fine. You're going to want to play him. Uh, even without Kenny G, you know, Matt Stafford's still a, a quality start, uh, given that he plays. Uh, it should boost Marvin Jones. I think we'll see a boost to DeAndre Swift in total touches, whether it's passing game or the running game. And, of course, our elite tight end, TJ Hawkinson, which we've now coined as TJ Hagendaz because the Hagendaz ice cream is one of the most elite ice creams you can buy from a store. And that's what TJ Hawkinson is. He's an elite tight end. He's playing incredibly well. If you're not starting him, you're making a big mistake. He is a, a set-it-and-forget-it tight end week in and week out. This is great because this is what we are expecting from him. I, In my opinion, and I think a lot of people would agree with this, Stafford's been a complete disappointment this year. He was a lot of people's kind of sleeper, not necessarily as a late-round QB, but a guy you were getting kind of anywhere from QB 12 to 18 range that a lot of people liked his chances to be able to maybe even make it into the top five at the end of the season. So he's been a complete disappointment, but this is satisfying to see now, even without Kenny Galladay in the second half, that Matt Stafford can still have these games. Yeah, what you pointed out here, Bryce, was Stafford gets Minnesota, a defense that's allowed uh, the third most pass attempts next week. Uh, Minnesota, coming off a high, just beat Green Bay. Uh, pounding the rock with Dalvin Cook, but uh, uh, if Stafford's playing, I, I like him. I like him a lot in that game, even without Kenny Galladay, as we mentioned. The bad was Lamar Jackson uh, against Pittsburgh, thirteen of twenty-eight for two hundred and eight yards, two touchdowns, two picks, sixteen carries on the ground for sixty-five yards, and two fumbles. Biggest one coming at the end of the game, a last-ditch effort stop in the red zone, really on the goal line uh, by Pittsburgh, getting to Lamar. I mean. We watched most of this game. We kind of had it running on the side, focusing on it while we had red zone on our, our main TV there. Um, but Lamar looked flustered and rattled, and I think that's kind of the the way he's been all year. Teams are blitzing the hell out of him. This offensive line is depleted and took a huge blow in losing Ronnie Stanley to a gruesome uh, broken ankle about two quarters into the game. So it's it's only getting worse as far as his pass protection. Um I'm not worried about Lamar Jackson. I'm not saying that he, the rushing upside is is far greater than anything that he can provide uh, or any other quarterback can provide in that category. But he just looks a little frazzled and uncomfortable, I would say, in, in 2020. I think there is some concern here, right? Like you look at what he's done this year and it hasn't been bad. You know, his rushing upside is going to carry him in fantasy football, regardless of how he's throwing the football but he's dropped off significantly since last year. And, you know, you have Hollywood Brown kind of voicing his opinion, then later deleting his Instagram post, but he's frustrated. You know, he's, he, wants to, he wants to see the ball more, and we know this offense doesn't really do a whole lot of, of throwing. But I think they need to maybe kickstart this offense a little bit, and where I would start with that would be throwing the football to your running back, J.K. Dobbins, who's looked absolutely phenomenal. He torched Pittsburgh, a top defense in the league, against the run for over 100 yards. Like, 
at a certain point, you know, that would help out his passing so much. Uh, it would be a, a, an easy decision to make as an offensive coordinator. Obviously, I'm not a professional uh, football coach, but it would boost his numbers, and it wouldn't it wouldn't force him to have to throw the ball downfield, which is where he's struggling the most. So if I had a recommendation for the Baltimore Ravens, get your star running back the ball, and it's going to benefit not only Lamar Jackson, it's going to ben- benefit the whole offense in general. And the one thing that I also am concerned about is that, you know, Lamar takes some big hits, takes some big hits. And if I'm an owner of Lamar Jackson in Dynasty, I'm not actively looking to trade him by any means, but I wouldn't be afraid to listen to some offers just to see what that market looks like. Because I think inevitably at some point he's going to take a hit that is going to knock him out for a couple weeks maybe the rest of the season. We're kind of coming down the home stretch of the regular season. We're a little over half halfway through. He, he hasn't gotten extremely hurt yet. He had a little knee issue a little while back, but he's over that now. So is he the same quarterback as he was last year in fantasy? No. Is he is he terrible? No, he's not terrible. He's really good. He's talented. I think you're still going to star him every week. That's not going to be a real issue. Like I said, the rushing upside is always going to be there. But one day he will take a hit and it will significantly affect his value in both seasonal and dynasty. That may not be this year, but it could be in the future. I think it's tough to kind of tough to say that. I mean, he has the he's not even injury. Like, look at Patrick Mahomes. He's played Patrick Mahomes has missed more games than Lamar Jackson. So I'm going to sound like I'm fanboying because Lamar's kind of my guy, but I'm not worried about him. Again, we know he isn't the best passer in the league. That's that's not who he is. In this Pittsburgh game, he coughed the ball up twice inside the five-yard line. It's not like him. I know the second one was he was actually short of – it didn't really matter that he fumbled. There was going to be a turnover on downs anyways. But with his talent, randomly, if those two plays right there turned into two rushing touchdowns, that's 12 points on top of that performance. He hasn't been phenomenal. But again, that's why he's so good is he's averaging 20.7 fantasy points per game, and people are like off of Lamar Jackson. Like, holy shit relax so spoiler alert we gave you a little teaser this is the guy that i was talking about that you want to buy right now look at his fantasy playoff schedule dallas dallas that's that's the first team that he gets week one in your playoffs you get lamar jackson against dallas yes please dallas cleveland jacksonville new york giants Oof. not a single intimidating matchup in there and again, nobody's really intimidating to Lamar Jackson for me with his rushing upside. I know he played Pittsburgh last week, but again, is he going to cough the ball up twice inside the five-yard line, get tripped up the five-yard line twice? No, that's not going to happen. They had 40 through two more picks. He had four turnovers. And at the end of the game, they got back inside the 25-yard line and didn't score points again. So like, it's like a buy low on a quarterback. It's kind of weird where we talk about like unrealized air yards and shit. That's how I feel about Lamar right now I think you want to get Lamar on your damn team if someone in your league is frustrated him looking at that playoff schedule people are off of him now but he's going to win weeks in the playoffs and that's what you want don't you think it just kind of makes sense though to try to get your running backs in the passing game more involved for him could build his confidence you know a shallower target depth uh you know get this player in open space limits you know risk for a guy like Lamar 
and, and the moment they do that, you know, his passing is going to improve, and he's still going to have the rushing upside. It just seems like that's something that they need to shift to. They're not the best team in the AFC. Um, they may not even be the the second best team. That's looking like Pittsburgh right now. They're going to have to do something to be more explosive on offense because I think teams are starting to pick up how to uh, play against Baltimore and Lamar Jackson. I just kind of feel like that should be the direction and the thought process that this team and offense should be going through. So real quick before we move off of uh, Lamar here, I just think it's kind of crazy. Both of them have played seven games this season. Drew Brees has scored just about a point, a little bit less than a point uh, per game, fewer than Lamar Jackson, where you know we were seeing Lamar last year at this point, well over 200 points. The, the rushing was just astronomical. Um, I know he's been dinged up. I know he hasn't been 100%. I know this team isn't the, the team that it was last year in the way that it's ran the ball, but to see Lamar Jackson way down there at QB 14, that's definitely not what you paid for uh, in the draft when you were drafting him at QB, you know, one or two, him with him Mahomes up there. And in the first or the second round in a lot of drafts, you know, especially those those deeper leagues or those two QB leagues, he's he's probably the first quarterback off the board and and the most expensive quarterback in auction. So is that going to come to fruition? That's what I think Chase is saying in the playoffs, if you can get there. Yeah, he's clearly not paying off for what his ADP was, right? right? If people were taking him in the first round or the second round, which we told you not to do because this is what happens. There's going to be better late round options than that. But that's why to me he's a trade target is because at this point now, especially after watching him be terrible against Pittsburgh, I think that frustration has started settling in. Somebody's ready to cut bait with them. God, I spent a first or second round pick on him. I'm, it's time to get rid of Lamar. I'm buying the shit out of him. On to running backs. Uh, Dalvin Cook was our fantasy football player of the week, and it was pretty easy to give him the crown there. 30 carries for 163 yards, uh, three touchdowns on the ground. He also had two catches, one that he took about 50 yards. He ended up with 63 yards uh, and a touchdown. So four total touchdowns for Dalvin Cook coming off the injury, coming off the bye, just erupted and single-handedly seemingly led the Vikings over the Green Bay Packers at a fanless Lambeau field over the weekend. Um, Dalvin Cook easily, easily making the case to be right up there with Alvin Kamara for running back one this season. Yeah, and there's been a lot of conversation about who the RB1 is going to be at the end of this season. And, you know, Derrick Henry, of course, is going to make a push for that as well. Um, But I think Dalvin Cook is going to be the RB1 in 2020. And part of the reason why I feel that way is I just looked at the rest of his schedule, and the rest of his schedule is absolutely insane. He gets Detroit, and then Chicago, which is is really the only tough matchup over the next five weeks. But after that, Dallas, Carolina, and Jacksonville. I mean, are you fucking kidding me? Like, every one of those matchups is is screaming Dalvin Cook. And, I mean, as long as he can stay healthy, which he, he looks fine. He looked phenomenal this last week. There is little concern about re-injury risk for me, and I don't think there's any question in my mind that Dalvin is going to finish at number one. Kamara is still going to do Kamara-like things, but with Michael Thomas coming back at at a certain point, um, and even then that doesn't really affect him a whole lot. It's just less targets, which is where he's making his money, and Dalvin is is this team outside of Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. Dalvin has – uh, a bigger impact is a bigger focal point of the offense, 
I mean, it's it's awesome to watch. I love Dalvin Cook, and and every week when uh, when you get get to watch him, you you can tell that he is by far one of the most talented backs in in the league. Yeah, I feel like there's this caveat that everyone has with Dalvin Cook is as long as he stays healthy, he'll be the RB one. No shit, and that applies to every other player in the NFL. So with that being said, as long as he stays healthy, I think he's RB one as well. Uh, with Michael Thomas coming back to dip into the ridiculous target share that Alvin Kamara has right now and where he's more productive as a wide receiver than a rusher. Again, it's not going to drop his receiving production down to zero, but the 10 reception games, 12 target games or whatever, that's that's going to go down. And I like Dalvin as the RB1 rest of the season too. Yeah, he had a little window a, a few weeks ago when Dalvin went out with a groin injury. And it was risky. You never know with an injury like that how long he's going to be out. I know he's kind of nagging to get back on the field sooner and the Vikings said no, but that was your window to get him. Uh, if you're trying to get him now, probably too late, especially after a game like that. The other running back that we had on the list was Jordan Wilkins for the Colts at uh, 20 carries, 89 yards and a touchdown had a reception for 24. And this is way, way, way more uh, about Jonathan Taylor and less about what Wilkins did. We saw Naeem Hines uh, find the end zone twice in that game as well. And a couple backhand spring twirly flipping cartwheel backflip bullshit it was awesome super athletic um <laughs> apparently jonathan taylor's dealing with an ankle injury but it's not looking good uh, to say the least i know what a lot of people have been throwing around is the guy that we're going to talk about next and and another uh wisconsin alum in melvin gordon and how similar their rookie seasons are looking Ooh, jonathan taylor is double the athlete melvin gordon has or ever will be um, but yeah, you're mashing the panic button. It was on our Instagram story. How worried are you about uh, uh, Jonathan Taylor? And a lot of people were saying that they were worried about him and, and were commenting on it going, what do I do with Jonathan Taylor? I'm trying to trade Jonathan Taylor. I know that that's probably not good and you're probably not getting the most value you can get for him, but I'm kind of taking what I can get and just writing off 2020 as a, a slow start banged up. Philip Rivers isn't doing him any favors and, and moving on for, for this season, at least. I think in seasonal, that's definitely the right play. I think you've got the the right idea there. Jordan Wilkins looked looked solid and should be what Jonathan Taylor uh, looks like, and, and he's clearly not. There's a lot of videos on the internet right now of people cherry-picking certain runs that Jonathan Taylor's been a part of and him missing holes in the line and, and all this stuff, and you're hoping as an, a dynasty owner that the ankle is – is really what's limiting him producing on the field. If we're st- sticking with Dynasty here, this is a guy right now you should try to go trade for if, if anyone's even concerned that he's going to be a bust, which they shouldn't be. He's a phenomenal athlete, and and you're still, like I said, grasping onto the hope that the ankle is a bigger issue than than what it seems. Um, But yeah, seasonal. you got to move off of him. Uh, he's not a droppable candidate. He's... 100% a tradable tradable player and and Wilkins should be worth stashing if your waivers are are still open and, and he's still available I would go pick him up because if this ankle in- injury lingers uh, a lot, lot longer then you've got a, an RB1 in Jordan Wilkins who looked pretty pretty damn good granted it was against Detroit defenses and that great at stopping the run so so it's going to make anybody look decent but you know, it's tough with, with benches and all the injuries, and you can't really afford to have guys you spent significant draft capital on to 
underperform in this way. And when Marlon Mack went out, Jonathan Taylor was immediately vaulted into the top 10 rankings rest of season for the position. And he hasn't been close to that really at all. So we need to see Jonathan Taylor dominate. But I think the best bet is you're just going to have to wait till next year. I, I, I do kind of see the similarities in the trajectory of his career in Melvin Gordon's. But like I said, you're going to have to wait till next year. I think it's going to be a lot better for Jonathan Taylor. Phillip Rivers, like you said, isn't isn't helping him whatsoever. So go out and get Jordan Wilkins. You could probably put a $5 bid on him if he's still a bit available at this point because no one else is picking him up. He's kind of sliding under the radar because Naeem Hines you know, caught, caught the touchdowns last week. So look to Jordan Wilkins. Try to see if you can trade Jonathan Taylor for something and, and move on for this year. Yeah, he's a, a dynasty buy and a seasonal sell. And I've heard people talking about a learning curve. A learning curve? Are you kidding me? The dude had a thousand, almost a thousand carries in college. Like, sure, the NFL defenses are a lot different than college defenses, but learning curve? Come on. Like, he's one of the most productive college running backs of all time and had the volume on there. Like, what? <sighs> it, it's the ankle. It's. Like he's just not himself is what it looks like. So like, yeah, but like the the learning curve thing kind of kind of made me crack up. It's not a fucking learning curve. Learning curve. No, unbelievable. All right, uh, moving on from from JT in more ways than one. Uh, the good wide receiver Brandon Ayuk against Seattle. A lot of this came in garbage time. He was kind of the only option uh, when Nicky Moldog Nick Mullins came in at quarterback. Uh, Brandon Ayuk, 8-4-91 and a touchdown. Kittle went down. There was no Debo Samuel. Half their running backs were gone. No Mostert. I like Brandon Ayuk this year, and he's been a surprise, and we were big haters of him, I would say, before the draft, after the draft, where he landed, all this stuff. Um, Up until the camps, and everybody's saying he was going off and looked really great. Then we started to buy in, a little late to the party. But he had a good week, and he he torched a, a Seattle secondary. Uh, a little bit didn't get to 100 yards yet i don't think he's been there this season just yet but uh now on the covid list so we don't get to see him this week uh, especially with that game being tomorrow night or tonight depending on when you're listening to this but uh, a good game nonetheless for brandon Ayuk. yeah uh it's seattle so uh, it's kind of similar to it's um, kind of all you have to say yeah right <laughs> yeah, and it's yeah. like jordan wilkins running all over detroit there's just going to be a matchups where you know a certain player is going to look really good because the defense is is absolute dog water but yeah uh Debo is, is dealing with something uh now Ayuk has been shifted to the COVID reserve which is is rough because I think I was playing him all over the place this week so that sucks but there is a little bit of a shining light here at the end of the tunnel you know when when Ayuk comes back off the COVID reserve Nick Mullins is the quarterback so that doesn't give you a whole lot of confidence but the fact that George Kittle's out the the fact that a lot of these running backs are are down uh Debo's dealing with his injury there's no one else there's literally no one else so I'm gonna bank on the opportunity and the volume of Ayuk for the rest of the season um it's just it's just too easy and with how many injuries I know fantasy players are dealing with right now he makes it an easy play to squeeze into your flex or your wide receiver three spot, I I, I like IU too. I think that I think that there's a lot here with him in the 2020 season. A lot that's left, and and in dynasty, I mean, once again, he, he looks like 
Like he could be the wide receiver one in San Francisco. We'll have to wait and see on that. But he's trending in the right direction in Dynasty, so I would look to try to acquire him uh, for the cheap. I don't know if you'll be able to get that, but with this you know, questionable season for the Niners, it's not going to make him look at make him look his best and take advantage of that. But um, yeah, I like Ayuk uh, for the rest of the season. Dynasty, uh, see what you can do to try to get him. And, and he's great. He's a great play in DFS as well. There's actually a lot to unpack here with Ayuk and the Niners, especially because of all the injuries that they've had. I think a lot of people forget about how much that Ayuk has benefited from Debo Samuel being out at the start of the year and now. Um, but there was kind of a misconception of how Ayuk was going to be used because he seemed pretty redundant with Debo Samuel. Uh, Yak guy, not the most polished wide receiver, but get the ball in his hands. And it really felt like when they drafted him, it was kind of like, wait, you spent a second on Debo Samuel last year who's kind of like that bully, get the ball behind the line of scrimmage, just get the ball in his hands, let him make plays. And that's what Ayuk was um, in junior college and then playing one year at Arizona State. So the the repetition there between the two was kind of concerning to me starting the year, but now they're used completely different. Uh, Brandon Ayuk is the wide receiver one. He's the one split out. Debo Samuel's average depth of target is like negative. He catches swing passes. He's like a running back. They're like running toss plays to him essentially by throwing the ball screens and not even screens really like just literally just getting the ball to Debo Samuel behind the line of scrimmage, and Brandon Ayuk is the 49ers wide receiver one. And in Dynasty, Debo Samuel was hot after last year. I think a lot of people wanted Debo Samuel on their team. I'd rather have Brandon Ayuk than Debo Samuel in Dynasty. Mm-hmm. What a world. Yep. What a world we live in. Yeah, I remember the whole offseason we were trying to get it, and, and the guy in, in our main league that we refer to a lot, the Buffalo Dip League, um, he's rebuilding. So <laughs> it was like, dude, give us Debo Samuel. No, I'm keeping you. He just looked amazing. And especially in, in the playoffs and, and the Super Bowl too. Uh, the bad wide receiver of the week, Amari Cooper. One catch, five yards from Ben Denucci, who will not be starting this week for Dallas. Um, yeah, this is bad. Uh, Amari Cooper with Dak Prescott, probably going to finish inside the top three, top five, at least the top eight. <laughs> You know, an, an easy wide receiver one this season, and now probably bottom half wide receiver two range, I would say, depending on how things go with Andy Dalton and whoever the fuck is starting at quarterback uh, coming up with Cooper Rush or Garrett Gilbert. That's the situation in Dallas right now. Couldn't get a trade done. I don't even think they were considering trading. They're just kind of taking this season as an L. So uh, Amari, if you've got him, you had a chance to trade him before last week where I did that uh, in, in a couple leagues. Now, after that performance, the writing's on the wall for a season, and I don't think you can get anything for him. You just got to cross your fingers and hope he performs because you have to start him every week. I was asking you guys this last weekend, you know, is Amari Cooper droppable? I can't believe I'm saying that out loud. Is Amari Cooper droppable? And the answer is yes. Yes, he is. Because if you're putting your faith and your confidence into a second string, third string, even fourth string quarterback to come in and replenish the value that Amari Cooper once had under Dak Prescott, you're you're just carrying so much risk doing that, and you're better off trying to acquire a wide receiver on your waivers. A uh, a guy that I'm seeing quite a bit of is Lavisca Chenault on on waivers 
with Jake Luton now at the quarterback for for the for the Jags and and I'm not I'm not saying LaVisca is going to do a whole lot with Jake Luton, but I I would much rather take a gamble with a guy like that versus Amari Cooper who you're seeing this whole offense is just is in shatters. I mean, it's it's just there's nothing left to to really even use. You, Zeke hasn't been great. CeeDee Lamb's taken a, a dip. Michael Gallup had a decent week last week, but it's not going to be sustainable. So if you're own, an owner of any player in the Dallas Cowboys offense, you're sweating. You're sweating. You're sweating. You're sweating. You've got to make a move. Uh, I would even look to try to move Zeke, but I understand the the RB landscape is very thin, so that's kind of dangerous. But overall, I mean, this sucks. This, re- this really sucks because Amari Cooper's a top 10 receiver. CeeDee Lamb was looking to be a top 10 receiver. Michael Gallup is still really talented. So you're just going to have to swallow your pride and move on from Mari Cooper, and it's going to look weird dropping him on your waivers. Someone will go out and pick him up because they're desperate, but it'll pay off in the long run for you, and I think that's what you got to do. All right, uh, tight end Jared Cook. It's another screaming, you know, random. If you got him in, like, Dynasty or or some of those super deep leagues, you just kind of have to get lucky with a line like this. Five receptions, 51 yards, and a touchdown. And this is just, this is what he does. He's kind of in there with, a lot of guys that I randomly have in Dynasty, Eric Ebron, I would put in that category. For a number of years, it was like Kyle Rudolph. You just want a touchdown from them. Any way they can get it. And now with Michael Thomas coming back, Emmanuel Sanders coming back, maybe that opens up the middle of the field for him even more. I don't fucking know. But Jared Cook had a good week for you um, against Chicago in a crazy game that came down to the wire and in overtime. Um any thoughts on Jared Cook in fantasy football? He's outside the top uh, as a tight end one this season in 12-team leagues. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I just want to let everybody know the difference in points between the tight end 13, which is Jared Cook, and the tight end five, which is Robert Tanyan, is a whopping, a whopping point six points per game. That is what we're dealing with here. Jared Cook is is a streamable tight end god because for the most part, not many teams are going to want to play Jared Cook. But if he's ever on your waiver wire and you really need a tight end to play that week, he's always got this random uh, touchdown potential that happens. uh, Not a whole lot, but it's still there. And Drew Brees goes to him for whatever reason, you know, often enough to make him valuable. So, you know, I, I, I don't love Jared Cook, but the fact that the difference between him and the tight end five is point six points per game, I mean, that's as, that's about as good as it gets if you're trying to stream a guy. This is like completely beside the point, but with Michael Thomas being out and now Manny Sanders and all these guys on covers, I'm actually surprised that Jared Cook isn't higher. He's like a guy that, in my opinion, like randomly you check a week ago and it's like, holy shit, Jared Cook is a top five tight end this year it is a little weird like those guys have been out a while <laughs> what hello where are you jared cook i finally had a, had a pretty good game uh the bad was mark andrews in that game kind of connected to lamar jackson of course with this line three for 32 did not find the end zone been a bit of a disappointment the same could be said for a lot of guys out of this position as bryce you mentioned that that difference between um 13th and and sixth is crazy so Guys, Mark Andrews, it, 
it seems like he's fitting into this category. And maybe it's on Lamar, maybe if it's on the offense, the offensive line, the play calling, whatever. Everybody seems all frustrated there. Uh, Mark Andrews, another dud performance with just 6.2 points in PPR. Yeah, he's tied in six. He has five touchdowns on the year. <laughs> so you're gonna have up you're gonna have upper weeks and you're gonna have downer weeks. And with Lamar playing uh, how he is in the passing game, that's just going to happen. You're never not going to play Mark Andrews. I think we're all we're all in agreement there. But uh, yeah, this has been frustrating for Mark Andrews owners this year. It hasn't been what you wanted, but it's still not bad. So you're going to continue to play him. All right, that's it for the good and the bad injuries. Were you really sick this week? What was the problem? I broke my back. What do you mean by that? You broke back, back is broken. What uh, a vertebrae or, or well, what portion? Spinal. Uh, George Kittle is, is going to miss it a lot of time. Uh, some said it was eight weeks. I think Schefter reported that. Kittle says he's going to be back in two. So we don't know. We don't know when that's going to be. But uh, you've lost George Kittle for a little bit with a broken bone in his foot that he suffered against Seattle. Staying in San Francisco, Jimmy Garoppolo. He's going to be sidelined indefinitely with that ankle that just keeps a reoccurring high ankle sprain that never ends. And we get to see whoever the Niners are going to start at quarterback. It'll be Nick Mullins for a little bit. And maybe we get CJ Beathard for a little bit too. So uh, watch out for that. Oh, stay in San Francisco. As we roll down the injury list, Debo Samuel is going to be out this week. I'm, everybody's out in San Francisco this week. Um, along with Brandon Ayuk on the COVID list. Jonathan Taylor, we talked about earlier in the show. He's got that ankle injury. He's questionable. Keep an eye on that. Um, I haven't had him in any of my lineups looking at this week. I've, I've kind of pulled him and had other guys. Um, Antonio Gibson, if you've got him, definitely playing him over Jonathan Taylor this week. Kenny Galladay with the hip injury, he will not play this week against the Vikings. Would have been a great smash spot for him. Uh, Calvin Ridley's questionable. Aaron Jones is questionable. Jamal Williams and AJ Dillon are on the COVID reserve list. So I'm not playing Dexter Williams. I know that. Uh, Gardner Minshew's out, and Miles Gaskin is out for a little bit. You saw them make the trade for DeAndre Washington. All right, those are the injuries. Let's talk about some player rankings. We'll start with quarterbacks here. And where they're at now after eight weeks to the NFL season, of course, there's 17 weeks total. Uh, we only really care about weeks 8 through 16, and even before that. You know, once you get into the playoffs, anything can happen, but it's how you get there. Uh, you know, the start of week 13, 14, 15, around there, wherever your postseason starts. Quarterback. We'll kind of bounce around popcorn a little bit, guys. Feel free to chime in whenever, stop me, whatever. Uh, we're going to go through the top 15 quarterbacks here. Starting at number one is Russell Wilson on an MVP terror. And we think he's going to finish his QB1, or at least I do, uh, with the way this offense is producing and, and lack of running backs with Chris Carson questionable now. Carlos Hyde. He's go he missed time. DJ Dallas, for God's sakes, anybody is like a plug and play in the Seattle lineup. It, it, the the shitty part is, and we'll talk about them once we get there, is who to play between DK and Lockett each week in DFS or or bets or whatever. It's a coin toss. We don't <laughs> we can't tell you who's game planning for which receiver in this in this lineup, but one of them seems to go off for a top three week every week. Two, Patrick Mahomes is pretty much a shoe-in. Kyler Murray, Josh Allen, Tom Brady, and the, the green lights go off here for Carson Wentz at number six. And definitely a standout for considering what the Eagles have done this season. But easily a trade candidate, I would say, too, guys. Yeah, I, I don't know why I don't like Carson Wentz so much. It's not his fault. 
that his team is in this situation the second year in a row. Um, I, I, I think I just like Jalen Hurts, and I, I want to see him play. But when I look at Carson Wentz's profile, the dude throws the ball downfield, third in team pass plays per game, first in air yards, third in money throws, uh, but also first in danger plays and first in interceptable passes. He's taken a lot of chances down the field to guys that, well, we didn't really know a whole lot about um, besides Jalen Rager coming in as a rookie. And I think it's impressive that Carson Wentz is at number six. And I I might have to reevaluate my own personal process, shut down some of my personal bias because Carson Wentz has been shockingly good. Um, and I can't I don't have a lot of bad things to say about him when I look at his profile. It's just it's pretty indisputable other than the fact that he is taking a lot of chances. So uh it's going to be boom or bust for Carson Wentz, and so far that has put him at QB6. You know who Carson Wentz looks like this year from last year? Whom? Jameis Winston. Mm. Ah, yeah, that's a great a call. talented passer on a shitty team who is absolutely chucking the ball around. Got that yellow mentality with the danger plays and air yards and whatnot. And then also, kind of interesting, right now 12 passing touchdowns, 12 interceptions. Can Love he get it. to 30-30 like Jameis did? I don't think so. I don't think he's that bad. But Carson Wentz has developed into the Jameis Winston who finished as a top five quarterback yeah. last year of 2020. I'm worried about Carson Wentz. And I know he presents rushing upside too. He, Chase, you just mentioned the Jameis comparison and, and how wild and how bad this team is. It's similar in a lot of ways. But for me, it really comes to weapons and not having the weapons that we thought he would have. Travis Fulgham certainly has emerged. He gets Jalen Rager back. Miles Sanders is on the shelf. He'll be back soon. I I don't know. There's just something about Carson Wentz. Maybe it's the, the injury bias that we had for a year there. I know he was healthy last season, but I'm actively trying to sell Carson Wentz now while he has these these big games and he, he plays in the NFC East and, and things are all good uh, before they go south quickly. So for me, if I'm if I'm able to get off of him, I'll I'll gladly take it. I think that the upside that you guys mentioned is still there to be inside the top five, shockingly, with how bad that team is. But um, Carson Wentz, uh, a mystery man, for sure. Uh, rolling along the list here, Deshaun Watson at seven. Rodgers, who we were really high on, is at eight. Rookie quarterback Joe Burrow is at nine. Uh, number 10 is Matt Ryan. Number 11, Ryan Tannehill. 12, rookie quarterback Justin Herbert. He's been a really big surprise this season. Uh, and ahead of Jared Goff at 13, Lamar Jackson at 14, and still inside the top 15, uh, off to a earth-shattering, insane start, is Dak Prescott. So I think that might be the biggest surprise on there. But quickly, let's let's jump in on Herbert. I think it's surprising that he's ahead of Lamar Jackson this season, and Jared Goff is right behind him. I, I wouldn't think Goff in the top 15. I wouldn't think Herbert in the top 12 there at 12 right behind guys like Matt Ryan and Ryan Tannehill. But Justin Herbert, <laughs> the waiver wire pickup of the season, perhaps, uh, for a lot of teams, especially in leagues where you may be lost, Dak Prescott. Of those three, buy, sell, hold. Ooh. Rank them. Of Justin Herbert, Jared Goff, and who? Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson. Um, I would buy Justin Herbert, obviously, Hold Lamar Jackson, and I'm selling Jared Goff so fucking quick. Like this, he's lucky to be where he's at. Um, the team is running the shit out of the ball. I think they kind of know that he isn't 
the talented passer that he might have been, um, what's the word I'm looking for here, anointed a couple seasons ago when that offense was flying everywhere and scoring points. It's just, I feel like the, the tell has been, has been established and we just have to kind of take that for what it is and try to shift away from Jared Goff because I don't think we're ever going to see him do what he did two seasons ago. And Justin Herbert, I I actually want to, I just kind of thought about this. The reason why Justin Herbert struggled uh, to, to be a top tiered prospect at the position is it had a lot to do with the offensive coordinator at the university of Oregon. If you're a duck fan, you already know Marcus Arroyo, did not unleash the true potential of Justin Herbert. And when I watch the Chargers, it kind of feels the same way. It's like the first half, they let him do whatever the hell they want to do, and then the second half, they play to to not lose and just run the, the shit out of the football. And it has to do with the coaching staff. I don't think Anthony Lynn is this top-tiered coach that everyone's hoping him to be. I think there's some something – something's not right. Something stinks there. And the moment they let him play play to his fullest potential, all four quarters, I think I think we're going to even see him higher on the rankings in the next few years. So be prepared. Be prepared for that. I'm buying Lamar. You convinced me, Chase. I'm holding Herbert and I'm selling Goff. But I, I like what the, that playoff run for Lamar is is definitely something that I'm interested in. And the, the fact that he's at 14, I think he could he can maybe wean somebody off of him. You know, right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think obviously the common ground is to sell Jared Goff. Yeah, yeah, 100%. On to running backs. Uh, Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry, the top three, Ezekiel Elliott, and like everybody predicted, undrafted, James Robinson <laughs> at number five. And that is only fifth because he had a bye week, too. I'll, I'll add that. He was number two before he went on the bye. Holy shit. Todd Gurley. Similar story to last season with the touchdown dependency. He's at six. Kareem Hunt, we saw Nick Chubb go down. He kind of replaces him inside the top ten at seven. Aaron Jones is at eight uh, and has missed some time as well. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire at nine. Josh Jacobs rounds out the top ten at ten. Uh, Eleven is James Conner. Mike Davis sits at 12. Ronald Jones, 13. Chris Carson, 14. And David Montgomery. So a lot of names in there that you wouldn't typically see in the top 15 blame it on the injuries, blame it on whatever. Um, I think there are a lot of surprises. Bryce, which one stands out the most? And and who are you targeting rest of season? I'll, I'll kind of segue you into that. I'm, I'm the most surprised about Todd Gurley. I would have never in a million years thought he would have finished as RB6, but I guess that's why Atlanta traded for him, right? I, I think they wanted to get him the football in the red zone, and, and that's where he's thriving but he hasn't been particularly special when I watch him. I don't think he passes my my personal eye test at this moment, but it's fantasy, and that's what he's doing. So he's he's obviously valuable. Um, you know, you're you're missing guys like Nick Chubb in this in this mix. You're missing Christian McCaffrey, Saquon. You know, there's a lot of guys that would that would be in this uh, top five, top ten that would push Todd Gurley down the list. Um, but he's been my the biggest surprise to me. If I'm buying anybody out of this list, I think you got to go try to get Aaron Jones at this moment just with some of the injury concern that uh, he's he's kind of brought on upon himself. And I think that it, it will spook some people. 
But I, I think the window's almost shut at this point. I, I would try to try to get him before he plays this week uh, because I think I think he's going to crack the top five by the by the end of the year. Just without Green Bay's playing right now, it, it it's gonna it's gonna go. The ball's gonna go to him. And and they obviously need weapons in that offense to to, to do things, and it's literally only Devonte Adams and, and Aaron Jones, Aaron Rodgers, Robert Tanyan here and there. So I like Aaron Jones if you're able to get him. Uh, Kareem Hunt's probably going to dip a little bit when Nick Chubb comes back. I think I think you got to hold guys like Mike Davis uh, just in case CMC re-aggravates his injury, but. When I go past Josh Jacobs at 10, where you have James Conner, Mike Davis, Ronald Jones, Chris Carson, David Montgomery, none of those guys I, I want that bad. You know what I mean? It, they just don't They don't feel like they have uh, this incredible ceiling that could, that could win you weeks. Maybe James Conner once in a while, but Ronald Jones is getting pushed out by Leonard Fournette. David Montgomery is one of the most boring running backs to watch run the football. Carson's another sneaky guy when he's playing. Obviously, in Seattle's offense, you want any of the weapons that are playing there. So that's just kind of where I'm at with the running backs. I think Todd Gurley's just blown my mind this year, and and good for him. I I, I felt kind of bad for him after I was shitting on him all off season, um, but so so it's good to see him still in this mix. But you have all these other running backs that aren't uh, playing right now, and that would have that would definitely push some of these guys out. Yeah, Gurley's production has been wild. Um, he's number three in the league in carries, which I would not have projected with his knees. He's number four in rushing yards and number two in total touchdowns. That's where all that comes from. It's, it's insane. Kind of, it's, it's insane. Actually, my buy is a guy who's not on the list outside the top 15, kind of just because of injury, but Miles Sanders. Um He's 11th in fantasy points per game. He's scoring you 16.1 fantasy points per game. And in my opinion, he hasn't even come close to touching his receiving floor. Like what, what we've seen from Carson Wentz and missing him and his receiving ceiling is so freaking high and he can take any touch to the house. We've seen him do it on the ground. I really like Miles Sanders buying him for the rest of the season. My guy is James Robinson. I'm not necessarily buying him for the rest of the season, but what a shock he's been you know, yeah. off of waivers. When he was a waiver claim, it was a okay, well, yeah, whatever. Not really worried about James Robinson. And he's been he's been really good. So uh, good for James Robinson, good for the Jags, and good for whoever uh, stashed him and is cashing in on those points now. Move to wide receiver. Calvin Ridley at number one. DK Metcalf, two. Tyreek Hill, three. Tyler Lockett, four. DeAndre Hopkins, five. I'll start there before we get to the rest of the group. I think it is absolutely batshit crazy that two Seattle Seahawks are inside the top five and tied for the league in touchdowns before the season started. I said Tyler Lockett would lead the league in touchdowns, and everybody laughed at me. Well, here we are halfway through the season, and Lockett is tied with none other than his teammate for that top spot this season. Um like I mentioned earlier, I don't know if you guys have anything to say about this, but it is a crapshoot on who to play each week. One guy's going to score 30, one guy's going to score three. We don't know. It, it is unpredictable. And I don't think that there are going to be many games where both of them are kind of sharing that load. Maybe a little bit more. You, you would like to see more than three points. Um, like to see both of them score a touchdown in a game. We haven't seen it yet this season. So um, Russ seems to kind of latch on a matchup and, and target that all game long. 
We saw it last week with with DK. We saw it the week before in Arizona with Lockett. Um, who knows? What do you guys think? I think DK and Tyler Lockett are like Chris Godwin and Mike Evans last year. You know, they're both flirting in the top five. Obviously, Godwin finished at two. I can't remember where Mike Evans finished at, but they were both top ten guys. And, you know, every week both of them were doing something, um, posting a top top ten performance, uh, if not both of them at the same time. And, and that's what this offense is now. There's a lot of touchdowns. There's a lot of yards. And it ain't slowing down for the rest of the season. You know, this is this is how it's going to be for probably a pretty long time until one of these guys goes down with an injury. I can't imagine not seeing DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett not in the top 15 for the next three years. I think that's pretty hard to um, project that far down the road. But seeing what they're doing this year and knowing that Russ has is, is got plenty of good years left to go, you know, I think this is going to be the theme of this offense for a long time. Tyreek Hill pops out to me at wide receiver three because if you ask me without looking at that list, where's Tyreek Hill? I'd probably put him in at 10. There's been a lot of good wide receiver play this year. And like why he's at three is he's number one in total touchdowns again, sort of skewed by touchdowns. He's got eight. He's got eight of them. That's 40. Check my math. That's 48 fantasy points from touchdowns. So plus the reception, plus the yardage, and he's normally a high A dot guy. So Tyreek Hill, eight touchdowns, has vaulted him as wide receiver three, but he's been frustrating him because it, it feels like the volume isn't quite there. He's out-targeted by Travis Kelsey. When Sammy Watkins is healthy, it feels like he's out-targeted by Sammy Watkins. He gets mm-hmm. the value touches and the and the deeper targets, but it's just weird that he's at wide receiver three and I've been frustrated with him. Right. I have him in another league too, and I, I feel the same exact way. You just want more from him. And, and maybe that's just the way the season's gone, but he hasn't had those huge yardage games and a touchdown that maybe you've seen with a guy like Devontae Adams, who's at seven. Ahead of him, surprise is Stefan Diggs at six. Uh, so Adams at seven. Boyd, Tyler Boyd at eight. Adam Thielen, nine. Robert Woods at 10. Allen Robinson at 11. Huge shock here. Robbie Anderson at 12. Amari Cooper at 13 and sliding. Keenan Allen inside the top 15 at 14 and DJ Moore at 15. So more guys on this list, a lot of shocking names, but, but Chase, you're wanting to jump in here. What do you got? Yeah. You mentioned Tyreek hasn't really had that huge yardage game yet. Doesn't have a hundred yard game this year. Tyreek Hill. He scored a touchdown in every single game, but one. Wild. What jumps out to me immediately when I look at that next chunk of guys, the, the next 10 on this list is Robbie Anderson. <laughs> How yeah. did we miss on Robbie Anderson? Everybody missed on Robbie Anderson. His teammate DJ Moore right behind him at 15. And Teddy Bridgewater has made two receivers playing pretty well in fantasy. I, I never would have thought it. I, I thought it was DJ Moore and that's it. Robbie Anderson worth every penny of that contract that they paid him in the offseason where we all laughed at it. This is really turning out to be a, a nice offense, and they've done it all without their best player, CMC, who comes back this week. For for most of the season, they've been without him. So target share maybe goes down a little bit for those guys. CMC gets more involved. I would say no, because Mike Davis has filled that role kind of perfectly. I know he's not the player that CMC is, but he's certainly had his fair share of targets and opportunity through the first eight weeks of the season with and without CMC. I want to talk about draft capital for a second because – 
I think when we're talking about Robbie Anderson and we see this top 15 list, he's the guy that returns you the most unexpected value depending on where you drafted him, which would have been incredibly late because DJ Moore was going before him. A couple other guys that are on this list that are paying off big time, uh, Stefan Diggs, a guy that a lot of people were not high on just because he was playing with Josh Allen. And we know what John Brown did last year. He posted a top 15 wide receiver season. And Stefan Diggs is like five times the player that John Brown is. And we initially were a little off Diggs, but we still had him in like, I believe, a top 15 spot. And now he's at number six. <laughs> and he is extremely talented. He is Josh Allen's number one guy. That team is is throwing the ball enough to sustain value, and, and the volume that Diggs is commanding is incredibly impressive. I tried trading for him, couldn't get him. As people, everybody is trying to acquire him, or at least the teams that have him aren't trying to move him. Another guy on this list that's returning you a lot of value, Tyler Boyd. People were nervous about Joe Burrow, uh, how that team as a whole was looking. You know, I, I get why people were nervous about Tyler Boyd. And similar to Tyler Boyd, you know, Keenan Allen, another guy where we had him ranked in the wide receiver 20s, I believe, you know, he's returning you the value as uh, to where you were drafting him. Um, but you, I think that it, for to not expect Justin Herbert to come in as a star, starter at a certain point in the season, um, I think was interesting because I – I just watched Tyrod Taylor play. He's not good. But I think there was more concern about what Justin Herbert could do as a player. And that one is Keenan Allen just more of a a luckier uh, player to benefit from a quarterback change that not many people were expecting. But I think Diggs, by far, to me, is one of the most surprising. And like you said, Robbie Anderson is also on that list as well. On to tight end. Not a lot to talk about here, I would say. Uh, the usual guys up at the top of this list, Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, Darren Waller. We are going to lose Kittle for at least some time here. So we'll see Waller slide up to two and and probably finish the season out there, I would say. Uh, TJ Hawkinson, we were all really high on him in drafts to start the year. Um, he's all the way up to number four at that midpoint of the season. Robert Tanyan at five. Mark Andrews is slid a bit. And he's there at six and, and has really underperformed, I would say. Jonu Smith, seven. Hayden Hurst, eight. Jimmy Graham at nine and Rob Gronkowski at 10. I don't have much to add here other than we nailed it on Hawkinson. Really happy about that. He's been really, really solid uh, for the Lions this season and questionable this week, I think with a toe injury. Uh, So keep an eye on that. But uh, he's been great. He's been really good. And the last week I was really trying to trade for George Kittle in the league. And I was going to trade Hawkinson plus Hawkinson plus this Hawkinson plus this, whatever, like any combination of things I could come up with. And the guy I was trading with was like, nah, like Kittle's my, my fave guy. Or I was trying to trade for Waller. And I know that both of those tight ends are, are better than Hawkinson, but he's had a great season. And if, if guys like Kenny Galladay are out, DJ Hawkinson has, has even more potential for target share and Marvin Jones filling in that role for, for the lions Hawkinson's kind of the one consistent piece to this puzzle and and has been a huge red zone threat for them every single week, it seems like. I think where we nailed nailed our takes this year was at the tight end position. Um, We told everybody to wait. The guys that I drafted in in most of my leagues, it comes down to TJ Hawkinson 
Jonu Smith, and Hayden Hurst, all three guys that are in the top ten right now. And I think we're all in agreement that these were guys we were seeking out because you could you could get them late in drafts. Hawkinson was the guy that we all as a collective felt the most confident about because of, of how talented this guy is and how much the Detroit offense was going to have to throw to stay in games. And it was just a given with Marvin Jones getting older and Kenny Galladay being the primary focus of the passing game that a guy like TJ Hawkinson would have would take a, a big step from his year one uh, season. And that's exactly what he did. So good job to us. We're patting ourselves on the back. We nailed tight end this year. We nailed tight end this year. <laughs> oh, God damn it. Huh? Oh, man. Did we <laughs> nail it? <laughs> All right. Into rapid fire we go. Green Bay at San Francisco. As far as we know, this game is still planned to happen, but be ready for this game to get pushed to Monday or Tuesday. Thank you, Corona. Very cool. Green Bay did just blow a matchup against Minnesota! But I think a strong bounce back is most likely in play. For the Packers, it's the usual Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams start. But is there anywhere else we can look? I like Tanyan quite a bit, but I'd be careful playing Dexter Williams, who feels like a low floor flex play. For the Niners, Ayuk would have been the only play if not for COVID, but McKinnon could also fall into flex territory after watching Dalvin carve up the Packers in Week 8. The G-Men head to D.C. in a battle with the football team. Not a lot of fantasy value here. Not much to adore in this one. Avoid Daniel Jones, but I do like Sterling Shepard and his nine targets per game in the last two weeks. Jerry Slayton and Evan Ingram are playable as well. For the football team, you're just looking at Terry McLaurin and Antonio Gibson as your only confident plays. Chicago at Tennessee. Both teams coming off of tough losses and meeting Chase's patented COVID bill. Are the Bears frauds? Huh? Are the Titans for real? Huh? Chicago presents two starts, Allen Robinson and David Montgomery, but keep your eye on Darnell Mooney, who continues to impress in his rookie season. The Tennessee Titans, your locks are King Derrick Henry, A.J. Brown, Jonu Smith, and QB8 on the season, Ryan Tannehill. Corey Davis is a sneaky flex play in his Devontae Parker breakout season. Detroit at Minnesota! It's hard to imagine Detroit makes this matchup competitive with Dalvin punking little kids on the field and now facing the Lions' 23rd best defense against the run. No Stafford due to COVID, but TJ Hagendaz and DeAndre Swift are both start candidates. But I'm not looking much further than that. For the Vikings, it's going to be another Dalvin game, and there's no way in hell I'm sitting Thielen or Jefferson even with their poor outing last week. Is is he back? Christian McCaffrey, Sir Purr and the boys hit the road for Arrowhead to take on the Chiefs in Kansas City. There are tons of plays in this game. For the Panthers, CMC fully participated in practice and is set to return. And Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore should soak up a ton of targets playing from behind. Teddy is a great streaming option as well. For the Chiefs, pretty easy. Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Mikko Hardman, and I'd still play either CEH or Love Bell. This game will be popular option in DFS. Houston at Jacksonville. Will Fuller's disgruntled trade have an ass is heading to take on the one, the only, Oregon State legend Jake Luton and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Rumor has it, Luton is supposed to be uh, opening up this offense. We'll see. Good week to do that against the 28th ranked defensive DBOA Texans. 
Houston. Obviously starting Watson, Fuller, and David Johnson. I'm also starting Brandon Cooks. For Jacksonville, I like James Robinson in his surprise rookie season. With DJ Chark to be the main source of Luton's expected high-volume first start. Baltimore at Indianapolis. Does Lamar Jackson feed the squeaky wheel in week nine? I want to believe so, but when taking a look at how poor Lamar has been through the air, I prefer to leave Hollywood on my bench. They're still playing Lamar while praying to God that Mark Andrews makes it back into the big three. I still believe he can. As for Dobbins or Edwards, why not both? For the Colts, I'm literally not playing anyone against the nightmare that is the Baltimore defense. Denver flies east to Atlanta to take on the Falcons where stinky Drew Locke is on my bench, but I do like his pass catchers Jerry Judy and Noah Fant in this spot. Phillip Lindsay did not practice today with a foot injury, but I would play him if active over Melvin Gordon. He's still drunk. For the home team, Falcons, it's pretty simple. Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Hayden Hurst with Calvin Ridley out and Todd Gurley. Seattle at Buffalo. Juicy. The highest game total on the slate is 55 points. This game presents the most opportunity for a DFS boom and money in your pocket. For Seattle, start Russ, DK, Lockett. Although if the pattern continues, you better guess right on which one of these wide receivers busts out for a massive game. Chris Carson is in my lineup. If he's playing, if not, I switch to rookie DJ Dallas. For Buffalo, start Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs, who could go nuclear against the Seattle secondary. Zach Moss, John Brown, Cole Beasley if you're desperate because of the matchup with Seattle. The Las Vegas Raiders are at the Los Angeles Chargers. The Raiders are above 500. Huh? Well, I think the Chargers are the better team. They haven't been able to close out games in the second half. Therefore, for the Raiders, I'm starting Josh Jacobs, despite being kind of meth this year. Darren Waller is the tight end three, so he's not going anywhere. And outside those two, I'm not taking any other chances against the Chargers secondary. For the Chargers, Herbert, Keenan Allen, Hunter Henry, and Mike Williams are all starts. Besides them, I'm not playing anyone in that messy backfield. Tua versus Kyler, the surprise Dolphins versus surprise Cardinals. Face off in Arizona. On Miami side, Devontae Parker is the only sure start. New Dolphin DeAndre Washington deserves flex consideration with Miles Gaskin out. And if Matt Brady continues to not practice, Tua put up five fantasy points in a weird game last week. I'm not ready to start him. For the Cardinals, clearly Kyler Murray is a green light. So is DeAndre Hopkins. With Drake out, I think Arizona will throw the ball more to the benefit of Christian Kirk. And here comes the Chase Edmonds 2020 breakout. Pittsburgh at Dallas. Oh, no, 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 no. Perhaps the best team in the NFL meets the worst team in the NFL at Jerry World. Can the trio of Cooper Rush, Garrett Gilbert, and Ben Danucci and Pittsburgh its first loss? Uh-huh. Probably not. Uh, for Pittsburgh, I like Big Ben, James Conner, and Deontay Johnson. If I had to pick one of the core four Steelers wide receivers, if you have Juju, Claypool, or even James Washington, they could all see big plays versus a depleted Dallas defense. For the Cowboys, you've got to start your studs, but sheesh, it's looking bad. Zeke and Amari are my only starts versus the best defense in the league. New Orleans at Tampa Bay. Drew Brees versus Tom Brady, an all-time classic. But I'm not convinced this game will be all that entertaining after watching Brady against the Giants last week. It doesn't matter all that much, but I wouldn't play Drew. However, I will play Kamara, Michael Thomas if he plays, and I'm willing to roll the dice on Jared Cook, but just know you're banking on a touchdown. For the Bucks, play Brady, Evans, Gronk. Avoid AB until he proves he's mentally stable. I'm leaning towards Leonard Fournette out of the backfield. Waiting all day for New England at the Jets. Monday night, bottom of the AFC. Patriots at Jets. Gross. 
Seriously, who the hell do you want to play from this game? After fumbling away week eight, I would actually play Cam here against the worst team in the league. Damian Harris also ran 402 yards last week and is playable. On the other sideline, it all depends on Jamison Crowder's health. If he plays, the only jet to play is him. If he's out, Braxton Berrios saw 11 targets last week and is Darnold's favorite option when Crowder is on the bench. Teams on the bye this week, Cincinnati, Cleveland, Philly, and the Rams. And that is Rapid Fire for week number nine. Ooh-wee. I mean, there's some good games on here. Uh, the Sunday night game will be great. New Orleans, Tampa Bay, excited about that. God, if Dak were healthy, Pittsburgh, Dallas would be sweet. Dude, you know what's crazy is we went over the rankings. We didn't even get to talk about Dak. Just real quick, he's still yeah. QB 15. I know, dude. He was he, he was, was gonna, yeah. He was gonna be QB one. I don't. He was gonna do it. Him and him, him and Russell Wilson would would have been duking it out uh, for not only MVP but uh, just the number one fantasy quarterback spot. It's just crazy to uh, see Dak still in. I that, mean, you gotta uh, win. Mix. You gotta win games to that, win. That that is true. That is definitely true. So he may have gotten Offensive Player of the Year and Russ got MVP. But I could see that. Yeah, that makes more sense. I like Miami over Arizona. They've been hot, hot, hot. I know Arizona coming off the bye. They look good, too. Their last win was over Seattle on Sunday night a few weeks ago. Miami's um, trying to win. They're trying to win right now. Dude, that's, I know. They, they look really good. That's what's wild. Uh, the defense is pretty damn good. Uh, Tua needs to just uh, you know relax a little bit. Should be fine. Vegas and the Chargers, always good. Chargers over 500. Seattle, Buffalo, that's that's the game of the week, I think, in a lot of people's minds, and that's in the early window. Uh, people think getting into this time of year, football weather starts. We've seen a couple snow games. Ew, it's looking bad. Seattle has to go all the way to Buffalo. East Coast game, early window. It's going to be 60 degrees and sunny at kickoff in Buffalo. No wind. It is the prime matchup. Last week we saw bad weather games, wind, rain, just a shitstorm of stuff going on in these games. And you saw a lot of low point totals, a lot of low scores and fantasy, not a lot of passing yards. I think that's the game that we look at and go, both quarterbacks could throw over 300 yards. Both quarterbacks could have multiple touchdowns in the game. It, it just looks so smashy on paper. Uh, and the weather report helping us out there also. What What do you guys think about my take on the New Orleans Tampa Bay game. Do you think that it's going to be more entertaining than I let it let it on to believe? I mean, they played what week one. They played week one, yeah. And New Orleans won at home. Mm-hmm. Defense made Brady look bad. They weren't really in sync now. I don't know. Both of these teams are kind of they're question marks still for, yeah. for both sides. I, I I guess I would if I were to pick a team in this game, it'd be Tampa Bay playing at home. You know, Brady kind of always has has risen to the occasion in these big games but they didn't last week against the giants new orleans has its holes and the defense hasn't looked as good they barely beat the bears yeah took it to overtime you know it's it's weird because like i know last week i was saying that i think tampa bay is probably the best team in the league but then watching them play the giants i just kind of kind of just lost that feeling that that they have the ability to win a Super Bowl, I guess. I, I don't know. I, and I'm not in saying. Game, what's that? In one game, you lost that? Well, I mean, yeah, a little bit. I, I still think they're really good. It's just, it's the Giants. It's the fucking Giants, right? You know, that's, it's not that they're def- we, we talked about it. their defense is better than what people think it is, but 
I mean, it shouldn't it shouldn't have been that close. At the end of the year, Tampa Bay is going to be I know one of the final teams. <laughs> I don't think it, it can't be perfect every week. They looked really good. Yeah. Uh, Snoozer are here. Sorry, Bryce. Denver at Atlanta. I know. Hopefully some fantasy points there. Baltimore, Indy. We're kind of hoping the Ravens bounce back. Praying to God we see something from Jonathan Taylor. Does he have a pulse? Um, Houston, Jacksonville. Jake Luton <laughs> and Wolf are all pissed off. Maybe he kind of has a revenge game. Fuck you for not trading me. Here we go. Um, Carolina KC is, is very interesting to me with Christian McCaffrey coming back. That's a trap game for the Chiefs. Um, mm. Interesting. I'm call that now. Interesting. Uh, Detroit, Minnesota. Who was even playing in that game? I mean, if if Dalvin's game last week carries over to this week, I mean, I, I think Minnesota's winning that pretty pretty easily. Yeah. Especially if Stafford's out. You know, there's just no chance. Yeah. Um, Chicago, Tennessee. Oh, go ahead. Bryce said the Chargers were a better team than the Raiders, and I, uh, I'm, I'm interested in that. Interested yeah, in that. I, I, Ooh. I don't know, man. It's hard to buy into the Raiders for me right now. The and Chargers can't win a fucking game. You can I buy know. into the Chargers. You I can know. buy into the Chargers who can't can't find a way to win anything. It's the AFC West, man. So AFC West, what they, about eat, it? they eat each other up. They eat each other up. Those games aren't easy. I'm not saying they're easy. The Chargers historically over the last five really seasons have not been able to win at, at anyone's four games. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Why are you picking the Chargers over the Raiders? I just the think fanboy they, Herbertness. On, you know the why. Herbert stuff is so bad, dude. I think the Chargers. I, I think the Chargers have a better roster from top to bottom on both sides of the ball. That is oh, so false. Okay. All right. It reflects in their win record, too. Uh, moving right along. Chargers at Tennessee. Or I'm sorry, not the Chargers. I get Chargers on the mind now. Uh, Chicago, Tennessee uh, in COVIDville, of course. It, both teams are vulnerable, I think, right now. And they both are looking for uh, a big win. Two pretty good defenses. Tennessee's shown some more holes than Chicago's maybe this season. Um, Wims is is not going to be playing for the Bears. He's suspended, so no sucker punches in this one, I don't think. But That was weird. Um, the whole thing was weird. Very weird. And then uh, two more on the slate. Giants, Washington. Two very underrated defenses. I don't think that we gave the Giants enough credit for for Monday night against Tampa Bay and, and holding them to what they did and making Brady frustrated. Washington's a top fantasy play, I think, this week for sure. Uh, definitely looking at them in DFS, depending on how far they climb on DraftKings. Um, and then tomorrow night or Monday night or Tuesday night or whenever it gets rescheduled too because of the virus green bay san francisco and and the santa clara 49ers are so depleted that this game is not watchable tomorrow night it might not be watchable for more than just that reason you know it, they might just move it but at, at this moment it's planned so I, I think i think it's weird that this game is the one that's kind of staying put yet there were other games the past few weeks that got moved so i, I don't know it's just it's weird to me that this one's still planned to be on time anything else i think that's it that's the show week nine coming up big talk 34 talk tutties with you next week